Love telling you about Boyer's Coffee. You can find them at boyerscoffee.com. And they're terrific. They've been brewed in Colorado since 1965. It's fresh. It's consistently good. My go-to is the Aspen Gold. That's my favorite. But they have so many great flavors. In fact, they have the new Mountain Reserve Coffee, which has been inspired by the 14ers. They have Rocky Mountain Thunder. That's an oldie but goodie. Hazelnut, French vanilla. How about this? Chocolate mousse. Coconut cream, great flavors, consistently well done. And again, they've been here since 1965. They have great coffee. You can find it in your local market. Or the easiest way is go online to boyerscoffee.com. Check out all of their wonderful products and have it delivered right to your house, man. That's simple. That's how I like to get it done. I like the K-Cups, but if you brew your own, You're going to be uh, blown away by how many uh, great flavors they have. Boyer's Coffee, boyerscoffee.com. Steel products are the best. Not just me telling you that. They're recognized by amateurs like you and me and the professionals out there. In fact, I was on the road recently and we, I was running And I passed some workers that were uh, utilizing chainsaws and blowers on the sidewalk. And guess what product they were using? These are the pros. They're using steel, S-T-I-H-L. And so they probably go to steeldealers.com because there's more than 10,000 right around the corner, more than 10,000 dealers. And if you go online to steeldealers.com or steelusa.com, com. That's S-T-I-H-L. You're going to look and find a product that makes sense for you, whether it's a chainsaw, whether it's a trimmer, blower, or maybe it's just to cut the lawn. They have the product for you. They have battery operated. They have gas powered. They have electric. And guess what? They're all made here in the USA. Made in America. SteelDealers.com and SteelUSA.com. That's S-T-I-H-L. Check them out. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies reliever Carlos Estevez on how he knows if tonight's going to be a good night. Honestly, sometimes I, I see some swings they take on me like they're really late or they, they don't even swing to a really good pitch. And I, I look back, I'm like, what was that? And then I look, okay, I'm, I'm throwing pretty hard today. So when I see like a bad swing, okay, let me see where I'm at today. Okay. We got it today. We're good. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, welcome in, everybody. It is show number 164. And I always like to tell you when I'm taping the show because it's always a little bit different. Tonight, I'm taping it at the crack of midnight, Tuesday into Wednesday morning, the Rockies just defeated the Texas Rangers tonight by a final score of 7 to 6. They were behind 3 nothing. They were behind 6 to 3 and they ended up winning 7 to 6. And what was interesting about that game, not only that it came back twice and it was really entertaining, is that two guys that had been out, one because of injury and one because he just needed a break. He was struggling a little bit in the second half and got uh, a couple of days off. And both of those guys came back with a vengeance. The first guy who was out with an injury, a little wrist injury, was Elias Diaz. He came back with the Rockies down 3-0 on an 0-2 pitch. He had a three-run home run to tie it early in the ballgame. 
And then the guy who'd been struggling, who was an all-star, C.J. Crone, he was given kind of a mental health day on Saturday and Sunday. Monday was a day off anyhow. So he got three full days off, didn't pick up a bat, just kind of hung out. And he came back, threw out a single in his first at bat. And then in the seventh inning with the Rockies down six to four, he hit an opposite field, three-run home run, and that provided the difference as the Rockies had a really nice victory against a team that's been playing well. Texas Rangers had won three in a row, seven of their previous ten. And uh, it, it was now the fourth straight game at home that the Rockies um, played good baseball, played entertaining baseball. The three games against San Francisco were all good games. Rockies won two of the three. And now they started out the series with Texas with a nice come-for-behind victory. So I also thought about the last four games, and it brought me to one rule change this year and one other rule change that's been there now a couple of years that I wanted to discuss real quickly. Number one is the DH. I don't even think about it anymore. I was talking to Scott Oberg, um, who's around the club periodically, and he um, Scott Oberg's going to work in baseball, and hope he, hopefully he works for the Rockies. He's a really smart guy, and you know his career unfortunately has been cut short by uh, the repeated issues with blood clots. But you know he was a talented late inning guy. Um, and as I said, a deep thinker and somebody who's been on the show before and we'll, we'll have him on again. But anyhow, I was talking to Scott about pitchers hitting. And I know certain pitchers miss hitting like Herman Marquez, who went tonight and Madison Bumgarner. You know, the guys that miss it. But I don't miss it as a fan. I grew up a National League fan. I grew up in New York. I was a Mets fan growing up. You all know that. And and I loved the strategy and I was a purist. Guess what? I haven't, for one iota, thought, man, the game would be better right now if the manager in the seventh inning had to determine whether the pitcher hits here, sacrifice bunts, or they pinch hit for him. I don't miss it. It's hard enough to hit for the guys that are paid to hit. So I want to get that off my chest right now. And I'm and I'm plenty good now with the DH. The other thing that came to mind over the weekend, because the Rockies played back-to-back extra, extra inning games. There's a lot of strategy in that with the runner at second base. I like this rule. I really like this rule. Rule. I embrace it. I think people like Buddy Black, who were understandably skeptical of it, traditionalists like I typically am, They've come to embrace it. There's a lot of strategy. Do you go for one or two? It's almost like a football game right now. You know, do you play for the one run in the top half of the inning, or do you try to play for the big inning? And then in the bottom half, how do you play it? So I, I find it fascinating. The Rockies, as I said, played back-to-back extra inning games. They were really entertaining. The Rockies won one. They lost one. And if Major League Baseball is really going to protect the health of players and most notably pitchers, why on earth would you want 14, 15, 16 inning games in the regular season? And uh, I'll reference my conversation again with Scott Oberg. He was saying the same thing, that it also hurts service time 
for certain bullpen guys because when you play one of those 15, 16 inning games, the guys in the bullpen knew that the next day there was going to be a player move and somebody who was, you know, had options left in that bullpen was going to be sent out so they can get a fresh arm in there so they can get through the next couple of days because they utilize so many pitchers to play a 15 or 16 inning game. Well, now the games are over in 10 or 11 typically because of the California tiebreaker rule. And therefore, you may not have to swap out a pitcher like you did in the past. And therefore, the 24th, 25th guy in the roster, 26th guy in the roster is accruing more service time and not getting sent out. So the players are aware of that. Plus, again, going back to the health issues, you're not asking a pitcher to you know, throw multiple innings in the 14th inning because you're, you're really out of arms. So for a variety of reasons, the California tiebreaker rule makes sense. From a health standpoint, selfishly from the player standpoint and service time standpoint, and also I find it entertaining. Immediately you have a runner at second. Now, who made the last out in the previous inning? Over the weekend, a couple of times it, were, it was fast guys. So I think the Rockies had Winton Bernard at second base to begin the inning. That puts greater pressure on the pitcher and the defense knowing that that guy's a threat to steal. So I like it. I don't want it in the postseason. The postseason, you got to earn everything. If a game goes to extra innings in the divisional playoff game and a wild card game, absolutely. We're not going California tiebreaker rule there. But um, I wanted to revisit that because it came up over the weekend, and I'm all for for both things, the DH and uh, extra innings. Another topic that we uh, hit on a little bit last week, but it's continued even though the Rockies aren't playing the Cardinals anymore, Albert Pujols. Albert Poole's playing like he's 22, not 42. In fact, as we tape this tonight, over his previous 10 ball games, Albert had slugged 1,300. He had never, in a 10-game stretch at any point in his career, had a period where he slugged that high. All of those great years in St. Louis, where he was either the MVP or the runner-up, He never had a week or a 10-day period like he had over the last 10 days. And where it seemed implausible that he was going to reach 700 or even 696 to tie Alex Rodriguez, he's now at 693, and you think, yeah, he's going to get the 700 home runs. And I think it's such a, a hallowed number in baseball, and I think seeing his greatness over the last 21-plus years, I absolutely am rooting for him to get there. And it was such a treat as a baseball fan to see him, and we talked about this a little bit last week, perform like he did at Coors Field and have that, you know, homer double single game and then have the games he had uh, against the Rockies and, and others last week. Uh, it, it was neat to be there in person, and it's been neat to watch him from afar uh, finish with such a flourish. And there's evidently still plenty left in the tank over the last uh, six weeks of the season. So um, good for Albert Pujols. One more note before we get to our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. 
I watched, naturally, a good portion of the Broncos preseason game in Buffalo. And I know all the Bronco fans freaking out. They got their ass kicked. What was it? 42 to 15, whatever the final score was. doesn't really matter. In fact, none of it matters. I want preseason football to go away. If you go to a preseason game, unless somebody gifted you the tickets, I think it's, I don't want to call you foolish, but I think you could spend your money more wisely. It is a ripoff that season ticket holders have to pay for preseason football games because it's garbage. Starters don't play. It's not about winning. It's a glorified practice. We know what it is. It's been the same thing for years. You just pray that, you know, guys don't get hurt. And that's why most starters don't play. Um, It's a joke. It needs to go away. Practice, practice, practice like they do in college. They don't play preseason games. They scrimmage each other in college. And then they go out and they play week one of the season. That's what the NFL needs to get to. And especially for the sake of the fans. Fans should not have to go to a stadium if they're a season ticket holder and pay for two games that don't mean a damn thing. And don't watch it. It's not worth watching. And it's not worth getting yourself all worked up because your defense gave up 42 points. You don't know who's playing. You don't know what schemes were employed or or more typically the fact that you didn't even game plan for the other team. And people are going to read into what it means and, and how significant it is. And all of a sudden, this coach can't coach and that coach can't coach. It's garbage. It's a waste of time. And it cracks me up that we spend so much time debating what we witnessed. And when I used to do talk radio at the fan and we'd spend, you know, hour after hour, day after day talking about who was going to be the eighth defensive back on the team, who was going to be the the swing guard, who was going to be the eighth or ninth defensive lineman if they kept nine with all due respect to those guys fighting their ass off to make their team. And I've, you know, I I wish all those guys well, but come on, man, when they kick it off for real, the Broncos in Seattle, we're not paying attention to those guys. We're paying attention to the starters who didn't play in the preseason by and large. So anyhow, it's my annual soapbox moment on why Exhibition football is absolutely meaningless and by and large a waste of time. Do it in practice and then line up and get ready for week one. And that's when I'll pay attention and get excited about the product and who's doing what and and where a team is strong, where a team is weak, where the Broncos need to improve, where they look solid, etc. So that's that's my counseling for uh, this particular program since we're in the midst of uh, preseason football. I almost called it spring football. That's that's really what it is. All right. On to our interview of the week. Here's a guy that you may not know well, but Rockies fans, you've seen him for a half dozen years run out of the bullpen and on some occasions save games, on most occasions try to protect the lead. He's a colorful guy. He's a charismatic guy. He's a really bright guy. Uh, he has... The second most tenure on the club to Charlie Blackman. His name, of course, is Carlos Estevez. And I think after you hear Carlos, you're going to not only know him a lot better, 
But um, even if you liked him uh, from watching him over the years, you're going to like him that much more because he's a he's a great guy. Um, he and his wife just brought their second daughter into the world in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, his wife is a surgeon. Um, and uh, and Carlos is a, a really well-respected, well-liked guy with the Colorado Rockies. So uh, there's the lead-up to the interview brought to you, as always, by, by Ideal Home Loans. Carlos Estevez, relief pitcher extraordinaire for the Rockies. All right, first and foremost, how's the baby doing? She's doing great, man. You know, uh, eating, sleeping. Crying, but uh, she's doing great, man. Healthy. All the things babies do, right? Of course, yeah. There yeah. you go. How, now, you should be an expert now. You you have your older daughter, but you should be an expert on uh, on diaper changing. You good there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was a little bit rusty, but uh, we're back. I mean, I'm good. Good. Uh, I need to improve my, my, uh, my speed doing it. I'm taking my sweet time, so I got to get better at that. Is your wife uh, getting a little uh, upset with you with your speed? Ah, uh, no, no, no. But I, you know, I'm self-aware. I know, I know, I can't get better. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I said this on on television the other day because your wife is a surgeon. I said, does she like uh, coach up the uh, OBGYN during the delivery? Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. She wasn't even looking. She wanted to look though. She wanted to see, and the doctor's like, "Oh, that's the first one. That's kind of weird." But uh. Uh, we cannot do that. Well, they didn't have a mirror, though. But uh, she was like, she wanted to see. I'm like, okay, if I'm getting, you know, like that surgery on, like on me, I do not want any part of it. But I mean, it is what it is. She wanted to see, but she wasn't able to. There you go. Um, how excited is it for you? Second time around. I mean, it's great. Uh, knowing uh, that I'm, I'm, we're gonna, we get a, we get another daughter. And I mean, we we got the first steps with the first one. She's a three-year-old now, and I think we we're on a good spot. I mean, it's it's great to be a girl dad, and uh, I I can't wait to see what the years have to, uh, to come with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I want to take you back because I've mentioned this also on the air, but a lot of people may not realize that you actually went to to high school for a year in the United States. How did that happen? <clears throat> um, I was playing in the RVI World Series in. Uh, in Jupiter, Florida, I was uh, 16 at the time, and uh, some uh, some some people reached out to me, like, "Hey, uh, we're giving out scholarships to come to the states and study here." And uh, honestly, I always wanted to study and like uh, and play baseball, and uh, we didn't have that uh, opportunity to do that down in the Dominican Republic. And also, my uh, my signing date was past due. I wasn't that good for down in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I was almost turning 17. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take the scholarship. I'll go. And I finished it uh, coming here and uh, spending one year in a high school. And then the school had to close, so I had to go back home. Was education in your family always important to you as you were growing up? Of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, it was it was always uh, first before baseball. And, uh, I mean, I remember I couldn't go to practice or to, like, the games and stuff if I had bad grades or if I didn't do my homework, I was going to get in a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, that, that was uh, that was really important for me and for the family because uh, where my dad and, uh, and my mom, where they come from, is like a, from a really like a countryside in the Dominican Republic. And uh, they were maybe the first of their family to graduate like uh, college. So like it was really important in our family. Yeah, that's interesting. And then 
as uh, as you progressed in baseball, at what point in time do you think, man, I have a chance to, to actually get to the big leagues? Uh, honestly, it, it's funny because when I sign, I sign as a 18-year-old out of the Dominican Republic. It's a lot harder because you're older. And uh, and uh, I, I, it's funny because Rolando always told me, like, hey, you're closer to the big leagues. I was like, ah, I don't know, Rolando, we got... Short season, low A, all these levels, and uh, I'm still in Dominican Summer League. And he's like, yeah, but uh, but a month ago, you were not even signed. I'm like, you, you get a point right there. So, like, I started believing it after I played in Asheville, low A. And uh, he was like, hey, you believe me now that you're closer to the big leagues? I'm like, uh, honestly, yeah, I think I'm I'm a few steps away. And uh, that's the point that I was like, it was concrete that I, uh, I always had, you know, the dream of being a big leaguer, like playing in the big leagues, but... When I was in low A, that's when I really understood, like, oh, yeah, I got a chance to make it. I've never asked you this. So, because you did sign late. So many kids in Latin America signed at 16. You signed at 18. Would you have gone to the States, to college, and, and played baseball? Was that on the radar, potentially? Uh, of course. At the time, I was uh, I was going to start uh, college down in the Dominican Republic, to, you know, to start my studies. And uh, I was trying to get, like, a, like, maybe, like, a JUCO or, like, a Division two college to come over here. And uh, while that was in the process, I actually ended up signing. And I was like, well, okay, let's take a shot. If not, I'll go back to school. If you don't mind me asking, what did you sign for originally? Uh, I signed for $40,000. Actually, I was going to sign for thirty, But uh, my mom asked uh, Rolando, uh, hey, if, uh, can we get like a, like a scholarship if he doesn't make it? And uh, he was like, I'll give you an answer in a day or two. So like the next the next two days two days later, he was like, um, we couldn't get you the scholarship, but we're gonna put ten thousand more. Like, so if he doesn't make it, he can go to college. I was like, great, perfect. So I ended up getting forty. Do you, do you remember that point in time though in the minor leagues where you where you really felt like I am going to get there? And also, do you remember a time in the big leagues where you said, okay, I belong. I know I I know I can play at this level, pitch at this level. And uh, honestly, in uh, 2015, after I played low A, the next year in spring training, I showed up to spring training in a great shape, like throwing really good. And man, in spring training, I was throwing 98 to 100, and I was just carving through hitters. I went to high A, and I was like, oh man, like this is too easy right now. Like I know I can make it. And uh, I ended up getting called to double A and finished the year there playing the fall league. And for me, 2015 was the crucial year. Like this is it. Like. I know in a year or two I'm going to be in the big leagues. Yeah. Do you, uh, did you always throw hard? I mean, even when, when they signed you? Because obviously at 16, somebody didn't see whatever was necessary. Yeah. I mean, were you a late bloomer? Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I signed at 18 and a half, and there were kids down there 17, 16, throwing 95 miles an hour. Sensatella was one of those. Uh, he just signed, and he was throwing like 94, 95. And uh, I was an older guy, and I was like 92, 91, 92. Uh, but uh, I was always able to throw, a lot, you know, a lot of innings. Like, I was eating innings. And uh, that kept me, I think that kept me a little bit uh, more in the eyes of everyone. Like, oh, this guy works hard and doesn't get hurt. So he's going to pitch him whenever we give him the ball. And uh, I ended up starting throwing hard when I came to rookie ball, uh, Grand Junction. And uh, I went from, that year I went from, like, uh, 92, 93 to, like, 94, 97. And it was like, oh, my God, this is a lot to take in, you know, like, I had to learn again to remake myself to start pitching again because I, I lose I, I lost everything curveball change up everything was gone. It's just, it's just a hard fastball with a with a good angle again. 
do you ever in games because I met you know it's it's easy when you come in to mention it and in fact in a couple of your last outings I think you touched 101 and, and hit triple digits on a number of occasions do you ever glance up still I mean you've been doing this now for a while but do you ever look up and say oh okay 101 uh, honestly sometimes I, I see some swings they take on me like they're really late or they they don't even swing to a really good pitch and I I look back, I'm like, what was that? And then I look, okay, I'm, I'm throwing pretty hard today. So, and uh, I do still do sometimes, not like a lot. Like I used to do it a lot more. And now it's just like, when I see like a bad swing, okay, let me see where I'm at today. Okay, we got it today. We're good. We'll have more with Carlos Estevez of the Rockies in a moment. But uh, first this for my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. If you're purchasing a new home, if you still are looking at uh, maybe doing some things around the house and you're trying to figure out how you can afford to do that um, and you're trying to juggle rates and that sort of thing, give them a call. They're going to help you out. They're going to educate you. They've done it for so many people for more than two decades in Colorado, also down in Arizona. It's Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson has put together such a professional team, such a well-rounded team, and that's why they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, because they take care of of people and uh, that's another reason why they have so many repeat customers like myself and uh, many of the friends that I've sent in their direction. Again, it's Ideal Home Loans 303-867-7000. Now here's more with Carlos Estevez of the Rockies. Last year, I think it was last, the years run together for me, forgive me, Carlos, but I think it was last year, early on, giving up some home runs, and and I could see your frustration. Is any would be, you feel like you make a good pitch, and boom, it gets hit out of the ballpark. How did you handle that, and how did you make the transition? Because you ended up finishing very strong. Uh, You know, uh, I just understood, instead of blaming anything else, or, you know, you still got to give the hitter some credit, because there's a reason why they're up here, too. And making a lot of money is because they can do that to a good pitches, like good pitchers too. And uh, I understood that I, I ended up like not for like not uh, worrying about it and just trying to make a better pitch. Because if you have always decide on being better, you're gonna get there. And uh, I ended up, you know, like worrying less and doing what, what whatever my team needed me to do. If we were winning by two. And I gave up a homer. I didn't care because we were still winning. And uh, I just tried to, to keep the game right there, and that helped me a lot. You've heard this so many times over the years, even before you got here. You know, it's hard to pitch in Colorado. The altitude, the altitude, the altitude. It's, it's always mentioned. You've been here a long time now. How, do, you, do you embrace it, and do you also tell guys that are new you know, like Denelson Lamette now pitching uh, for the Rockies, uh, a guy that, you know, had pitched here as a, as a member of another staff. What do you tell them and what's your thought process? Um, honestly, you have to. You have to embrace it. Uh, you got to understand where we are and uh, also how we're going to pitch, too. Because uh, on the road, uh, I use a lot more of my fastball up in the zone. And you see at home, I can, like, I go down in pain and then I go up. It's not like, like on the road that... It's a different uh, atmosphere, like uh, the altitude is different, plays different with baseball. And uh, with uh, also with Lamed and uh, even with Colome, early in the year, I was talking about uh, his cutter and all his stuff, like what he does, how he feels like. And uh, I told him, like, man, your cutter is like, like 
if you throw it down in the zone, you're going to be fine. Like, you're going to get a lot of grounders. And if you miss, well, okay, you miss one time or two, but you're going to be consistent down in the zone, and you're going to get a lot of grounders. That's that's money right here. That's money in Denver. Yeah. Because the bloopers, we gotta, you got to get them out of the picture, you know? Those hurt in Denver. Yeah, no, no question. I saw you a few minutes ago. You went over to say hello to Albert uh, and, and Yadier Molina as... You know, Yadi's from Puerto Rico, but Albert originally from from the Dominican, kind of similar to you. He came over to the states, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and he wasn't really a prospect, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, what did you? What kind of conversation do you have for, with him, and what kind of respect do you have for uh, the career he's put together? Um, honestly, uh, I went over and I asked him about if he can sign a jersey for me. I had the jersey for a few years now, and I'm I'm still like, man, I don't want to get into his routine, like. So I asked him, like, if I can get it signed. He was like, man, why haven't you done this earlier? Like, yeah. I, thought, I thought you didn't like me. But I, I, was, I was just laughing. At, he, I know he was joking. And, like, uh, I mean, come on, man. It's, those are two living legends. I mean, anytime you, you got time to go talk to them, like, you know, whatever conversation, like, you can pick their brains. I mean, a lot of homers and a lot of games caught, you know, catcher with a lot of experience. He can drop some knowledge on anyone, you know, and – uh it's, it's great to have two Latin players like that, you know, like in the game still, like uh, going out this year. I mean, I was growing up watching them play. I was like, man, these guys are really good. And uh, my first year, I couldn't believe it. I was playing against these guys. And I get to face Pujols a lot now, like Anaheim, like Dodgers too. And, uh, it, you know, it feels great knowing I, I, I got here and I was part of their careers, you know. And uh, that's something amazing. Yeah, I was going to. I ask guys this all the time. When you were younger, big leaguer, and the first time a big name stood in against you, did you stop in your head and go, "Oh my goodness, that's Albert Pujols, or that's Mike Trout"? Or uh, honestly, my debut was against the Dodgers. Uh, Puig was doing really good. Adrian Gonzalez was doing really good. You know, big names in the game already. But at the time, uh, when I, I remember warming up and uh, I was throwing the balls everywhere. <laughs> hitting the wall, almost hitting the camera in the bull, but it was it was really bad. And uh, I remember your homie Darren Holmes telling him like, "Hey, relax, breathe, and just go to the mound and look at the home plate. You'll be fine." And you know, I was nervous, but I was I wasn't out of control because as soon as I got to the mound, I took a look around. As soon as I delivered my first pitch, I was like, "Okay, I'm here now. This is the same baseball." And you know, the names they still you get the names, but you can you can think about it. You know, like this they didn't get to me. But I heard the names. Now, I don't I know. If, have you faced Nolan since he went to St. Louis? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did, and I walked him. I walked a 3-2 count, a few foul, uh, foul balls. Ended up throwing up, and then he took the walk. Uh, but uh, I faced, you know, like, it's it's different because I faced Nolan a lot. Spring training, live VPs, inter-squads, and uh, still kind of funny, you know, like, uh, because he's looking at me, you know, on a, on a funny way. I'm like, bro, just relax, like. We're we're opposite, so I gotta take I gotta take care of business now. So, but uh, still, it's like uh, it's kind of different with Nolan because you know I met him, like I knew him before, and uh, it makes it kind of kind of easier, you know, yeah. to hide the the big name. See, you're a fun loving guy. We're gonna get to that in a moment. Is there any when you're out there, Nolan steps up? Is there even a grin or a wink, or is it all business? Um, honestly, he he came up there and he was like, he gave me a nod of the head. And like, like we talked before the game, and uh, and uh, you know, with the nod of the head, I'm like, hey, 
like it was like let's go like right. like it was kind of like everything like how are you doing like look good like let's go let's get into business yeah. good deal okay now i'm gonna get to the fun loving uh you're in the bullpen you know all you guys out there are a little bit different yeah, yeah. so i have asked a couple of your brethren out there uh kinley <laughs> Gilbreth and, and I didn't ask specifically about you. I said, "All right, who's the biggest character out there?" And both of them go, "Oh, Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, man, he's funny as can be." Gilbreth said, "You're a big teddy bear." Kenley <laughs> said, "You're the funniest guy out there." Yeah. <laughs> what What do you say about yourself? I mean, um, I'm I'm just trying to be me every time I'm out here and uh, have fun with the game. Like it's, it, I mean, it's still our. We come here to work, but it's a it's a grown man's game played by by. You know, it's a it's a kids game playing by grown men. Right. You gotta have fun, man. I got and you you spend more time with these guys than with your family. You know, yeah. and uh, you, we gotta have fun. And at the same time, we gotta you know we gotta be serious. What we gotta be serious on. And uh, I just understand that. Understood that early. And uh, and I, I feel like that's that creates a lot of like good chemistry around the team and the guys. And uh, sometimes like most of the time, I don't even I don't even try to be funny and or whatever. But it just comes out. All right, so if I ask you that same question, which one of your brethren out in the bullpen would you say, oh, that's the funny guy? You'll be surprised, but uh, Gil is pretty sneaky. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's pretty sneaky. Uh, he always be cracking up jokes and, say, you know, like really serious face. And sometimes you don't think, like, what are, what's going on with Gilly? But, you know, I understand. He's being sarcastic, and uh, he's pretty funny. Don't let him, don't let him trick you. He's, he's pretty funny. I heard I heard Jake Bird has, even though he's right-handed, has a little lefty in him. <laughs> he has a lot of lefty in him. I think I think he's throwing right-handed by mistake, man. He's he's crazy. He's a crazy guy. But I still like it's the same thing. When he was down there for like a week or two, you know, super quiet. Like, come on, man. Like, like we started asking him, like, hey, where you from? Like the first day, but he was like, oh, I'm from LA. Like, Wait, you're from LA? You look like a guy from Louisiana or like you know, like from the south. It's like, oh, man, uh, don't don't get mistaken. I'm a really good surfer. I'm like, oh, do you even surf? No, I don't. But I just want to throw out there since I'm from L.A. <laughs> but he's, he's really good, too. <laughs> that, that's funny. Hey, you understand. Now, you live in Florida. You understand that if you grew up in the United States at 6'6 six, six and 270, <laughs> they'd have made you play football, right? Uh, of course. Of course. That's what my dad says all the time. Like, I, like if I was born here, I was going to be playing football. And uh, which I understand too. And uh, you know, since I start started to come over to the states, I started to watch more the game and understand more the the NFL. And um, you know, like maybe maybe it was gonna be true. I mean, I really like the game, and uh, I mean, that, it would be great. But I, I I won't change this for anything. You know, who's your NFL team? Patriots. Jump right on the Bill Belichick bandwagon, huh? Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go for it this year. <laughs> It'd be pretty good. Hey, Carlos, continued success. Stay well, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Big thanks to uh, to Carlos. Fun guy. Um, popular guy. And I, I think you can see why he's so well-liked. Uh, big personality. It'll be interesting to see. 
you know, if he if he's back with the Rockies next year, I'm sure they're going to have interest because he's a guy that has pitched a ton of games at Coors Field, understands Coors Field. Uh, he he's been better now as the summer has worn on than he was uh, early in the season, and he's interesting because he throws harder now than he did early in the season, and I think typically that's been the case with Carlos uh, over the years. Uh, so um, he he's a guy that. Is really easy to root for, and and I hope he's back. I hope he's back in the fold uh, next year with the Rockies. Hey, um, one other note on the on the Rockies and their victories of late, three and one as we uh, speak on this homestand. One more game with Texas tomorrow afternoon before the Rockies uh, head east. Winton Bernard, man, uh, he was a guest last week. If you didn't check that. Uh, interview out that podcast make sure you do it he's wonderful he really is he's everything that people have said about him and he's also provided the rockies with big energy he had a three hit night tonight three hit night finds a way on finds a way to impact every game that he's been in and that's why buddy keeps putting him in the lineup he's doing things to help the club win and he brings big energy speed factor um and I, I don't think it is a coincidence that the Rockies have played pretty good baseball since he was brought to the big leagues. So there is that as well. I mentioned the Rockies are heading east. This is going to be a, a tough road trip, longest road trip of the year. 10 games covering 11 days, four in New York against the Mets. They're going to see DeGrom out of the gate. They're going to see Scherzer as well, four days in New York. Old Timers Day is Saturday at uh, City Field. The Mets still doing Old Timers Day. That'll be fun personally for me, again, having grown up there and and followed the Mets throughout uh, my formative years. Uh, it's going to be quite a challenge for the Rockies, but looking forward to seeing that that Met team up close because they're really, really gifted. They truly are one of the you know, favorites potentially to be uh, the last one standing. And then the defending world champions, who we haven't seen since early in the season, the Atlanta Braves, and they're playing well. They took three or four from the Mets uh, last week. It's always good to catch up with Walt Weiss. Good to see that talented team. Uh, it's three down in Atlanta, and then uh, it, it finishes for the Rockies in Cincinnati, three ball games there. But um, that's going to be a challenge, clearly, but it's also going to be neat to see, you know, really talented baseball teams in the first two with the Mets uh, and the Atlanta Braves up uh, up front. And and for the Rockies, you know, when you're a competitor, the best is going to bring out the best in you. So um, it'll be a good challenge, as I said, for the Rockies. A reminder, as always, to check out uh, Patrick Lyons on the DNVR Rockies podcast Monday through Friday and all the DNVR product. Things are heating up with college football season upon us and uh, naturally the Broncos season upon us as well. So check out uh, all of their written material and their podcast. We'll do it again next week from the road. And uh, I appreciate you listening and spreading the word on to what we do here on our little podcast. So uh, take care, everybody. Be well, stay well, and we'll talk to you in a week.